Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of a Weathered Anchor. Well, I don't entirely know that it'll be a morning when you listen, but anyway, I'm Coach Britt. I'm a holistic life coach and an owner of Anchored Consulting and Coaching. Um, I love to bring people together to tell stories. So today I'm going to introduce Robin to you. Um, Robin and I met when I was in the dental world and she was an assistant at a periodontal office that I was working at and the rest is history. So she's become a good friend of mine. Um, she's been through a lot of my trauma stuff with me, vice versa. Um, we just kind of been through it. She's been a coaching client previously. So, I'm uh, just going to tell a funny little story though about Robin. So when I was her manager um, on payroll slips, every time we would give out like um, the checks and stuff, like we would just print out the, I don't even remember what that thing's called. Anyway, yeah. I would like the pay stub. It would just be like the pay stub portion and print it out for her. And every, every time payroll came around, I would write an, a personal note handwritten to each employee. <laughs> and yeah. one time it was just a crazy week. <laughs> And Robin, I didn't write notes on anybody's. And I think I put a smiley face or a heart or something. And Robin comes up and she puts that paper down on front of my, uh, in front of me on my desk. And she says, I will not accept this until you write a note for me. <laughs> and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> but yeah. I just think it's such a funny, it's such a classic Robin too. <laughs> like, uh, excuse me, this is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need my love note for the two week period. Because <laughs> that place we worked was a little bit hellacious, but that's sometimes dentistry. <laughs> anyways so robin's got you know she's got a, a different type of journey um if you're watching this on spotify um you'll be able to see what she looks like but um she's got a lot of different aspects of her life she's going to share and one leading up to her, her her struggle with alopecia and trying to embrace it and figure all of that out and i know it's something that affects a lot of people and it's um particularly hard for women because our hair is so much a part of us so I'm going to let you take it from where you kind of want to start with. I know you've got a lot of different moving pieces in your self-discovery at this point. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm Robin. And <laughs> yeah, as Britt mentioned, there's lots of things that I guess kind of like in the whole like timeline of trauma. Um, so I guess I kind of start with like where I'm at right now is we're a few years into this alopecia journey. Um, but right now in my life, I am actually currently um, separating from my child, my child, my kids' dad that we've been together for seven years. Um, and, you know, for the last couple months, it has been really difficult. Um, I've been you know, just hanging on, hoping that things would change. Hopefully we'd be together. Um, and then one morning I just kind of woke up. Um, and I had actually like texted my dad and I was like, Hey, like, um, there's this, this like product that I want to like use just cause like right now, like it's my mental health is just a little like shaky. Um, but I'm a little tight on money. So can you help me? And then my dad, he was like, of course I can help you. But I, you know, he's right now, he is like doing all of like his different levels of Reiki, um, Reiki healing and like trying to, um, just has like, has wants to like tap into like all different skills of healing. Um, yeah. and so he was like, you know, like, we're going to do like, kind of like a team Reiki, like healing session for you. And so about a week after that, I woke up and I was like, you know what? I'm not waiting anymore. Um, so I kind of forced the answer out of my was significant other. And I was like, do you, do you want this? Do you like, is this something that you want? Um, and you know, of course his answer was heartbreaking, but I've had so much time to process it that like, I'm okay. I'm fine. Like, I think it's important like to understand, like, even when relationships aren't really going that great there comes a point where we can't take anymore and nobody gets to really tell us when that point is um, because it's a process of letting go and grief, like anticipatory grief before it all happens. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I feel so much freer. I'm not like this ball of anxiety of like, when is this person going to come home? Like, are they, are they actually with their friends? Are they this and that? Um, and so I just, I'm so much happier. Um, well, and I think one part, pow powerful part, like 
obviously as we did our pre-record, but then just in general as friends, when you talked about how you were just fighting for your worth, you were fighting for somebody to love you the same way you love them. Will you expand on that a little bit? Because I think that's something that at least once in our lives, a lot of females have done. Yeah. Um, so with that, like I struggle, I've always struggled with, you know, like self-worth and, and self-esteem confidence and just loving myself in general. Um, we'll tap into that on like kind of where that stemmed from later, but, um, I've always struggled with it. And I think, you know, during this aspect of a relationship, um, with someone who's so much younger than I am, who's not had any life experience, um, or even like emotional intelligence in general, um, because they haven't had the life experience to actually gain those skills. Um, I always was like fighting for somebody that if I were to pack my bags, I felt like they wouldn't stop me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then that, that made me in my mind, want to kind of almost continue to overplay my part to do more. If I do more, you're going to love me. You're going to love me the way I need you to love me. Um, so I did everything and I created a mini monster. I did the dishes. I did this and I created, you know, like I just did everything around the house. I did everything to make sure that this person had an easier life that, you know, when I'm at work, it's so much easier with the kids and this and that. But I turn around, I created a monster who was just so used to it. So then it was just expected of me to do so. And so then I, and then especially with alopecia, now I'm like, I want you to still tell me that I'm pretty. I still want you to, well, yeah. I mean, the age old saying is if you don't love yourself, how can you expect somebody else to love you? And how can you expect yourself to love that person? Right. Well, and I think too, like kind of going back to like how you're overcompensating, like this is where a lot of women will do this. Um, and it's like, like what you were saying, if I do these things, then you'll stay or you'll realize you need me or you love me. And that's the problem that with that mentality, because I've been there, mine was a different situation is highly abusive, but it's like, it's still that same piece where you're fighting for your worth. You're fighting for sanity, for the love of God, if nothing else. And the more that those things happen, it's almost like those people can become resentful. They can become comfortable with it. And here's a different, different aspect to consider too. That makes life really cozy for a guy, even if he's miserable with a woman and he's not going to be the one to walk away. And then we're fighting for it and we're realizing like this person doesn't want me. They need me. And that feels gross to most women. Like we want to be wanted. I think men want to be wanted too, but there's a lot of like this, this need. And then it gets complicated with, well, we have kids. Well, we've been together for this long. None of those are good reasons to have a unhealthy environment. And do you ever like when you sit um, when you sit and you reflect on just this path, this whole process, like how much do you feel like you've betrayed yourself in hindsight? Cause it doesn't oh. really look like that in the process. It's the discovery. Oh, like what the hell? For sure. Yeah. So I have been doing quite a, a lot of like reflecting on like, dang, like I've completely lost myself. Um, mm -hmm. so uh, one of the biggest kind of like reflections, um, it sounds silly, but like I went out for Cinco de Mayo and I just had so much fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I had guilt free fun. I felt, I, you know, um, and I didn't do anything crazy. Like I just went to a bar and I just had fun and I danced around and, and I like sent my, my really good friends, like all this little video, like I, I don't take shots, never take shots. Yeah. <laughs> and so Cinco, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, I took a shot. Chugging the Patron. A, a, it was Milagro. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and it, it was, it was just so fun to just like, you know, have your friends there and like, you, and my friends are like, literally like just face in the video. Like you're so happy. Um, I look back and I think of how much I disrespected myself to allow the patterns to yeah. continue and to blame myself for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about a lot of, um, you know, it's kind of like a divorce, you know, a, a divorce for a lot of people that stamp feels like, you know, that says failure, not divorce. Um, yeah. Growing up as a half Korean person with 
my mother. Um, so I was raised by my mom who is Korean. And so already having children out of wedlock, like that's game over. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how dare you? Um, I also ha- had a child when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also like, oh my gosh, like you're a disgrace. Shame. Uh, so, so I think I held on for so long too, was because like, I was like, no, like, like this is what I want. I want a family. Like I want us to be together. Like I want to raise my kids um, with the man that I had them with. Like, I want, I want to share a last name with, with my kids. So I don't share a last name with any of my kids. So I have three. Um, and I was like, I want that so badly. And then I like, I look back and I'm like, yeah, for a last name, you would, you were willing to be miserable for the rest of your life. And I think that that points out like, and people are going to love or hate this whole concept here, but like the, the goal of marriage and what it does to people, Yeah, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's actually, if, and when you think about that, like, I, I do think obviously part of your heart was like, I genuinely want to spend the rest of my life with this guy. I want to do life with this person, you know, those types of things. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, um, just trying to a- attain that status because of the things you mentioned, like, I want my, I want to share my last name with my, with our two children that, you know, you guys share and things like that. And it's like, we, we put all of these kind of almost meaningless, even though they're supposed to have meaning, you know, like that's, that's the hard, um, that's the hard separation. This association of that is like, sometimes the goal gets in the way of the reality and not wanting to be judged and shamed and looked down on by society and yet again by your mom or you know anyone else yeah yeah um and just all of that like I mean now it's you know like now my heart's not in that place anymore so it's like everything that like new happens is kind of like dang like yeah what was I doing like I went out on a date for the first time and I was like I cried I cried on my way home because I was like, this is the first time like in over a year that I have gone out on a date where I didn't have to like foot the bill about the whole thing. Yeah. The first time in since my alopecia. So since 2020 that somebody just looks into my eyes and it's like, you're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I just cried because I was like, like seven years with somebody Mm -hmm. and the comfort of just being like, well, like I don't have to do those things anymore. Yeah. And then like this new person that comes along and it's like, just, just willing to look at you and just, just stare at you. You feel crazy amounts of like, Oh my gosh, like what is happening? Self-esteem and self-worth has been a really hard thing for you. And like on the outside, it's like alarming to people because you don't see that you're beautiful. Like Robin has this super fit. She goes to the gym. Like she has a cute body, like people would kill for it, but she's still looking in the mirror and she's not seeing it. And this has been a lifelong struggle for her. Now that obviously like that dives into different traumas and things that people survive, you know, at Robin, I won't out anything. You can tell your story, but there's certain things that lead up to that. And it's so, and it's like, that's one thing that I love to do with coaching is help women I mean, and men, but honestly, it's always women that I end up working with. Um, Fine. Like your value is not in your body. It's not in your hair. It's not, it doesn't mean that if I lost all my hair, I wouldn't have like a complete coronary. Cause I probably would like it's, it's, it's a pro, you know, our hair is, is not just cosmetic. Like our hair is, it's attached to our intuition. It's attached to our energy. Like think about when your hair stands up on your body, when you get goosebumps, like hair has a purpose. So it's not, you know, look at different cultures, you cut off a ponytail and it's like detrimental, you know, when you look at those things, it's a real thing. And, and like, it's just one of those things that I wish I could gift to every woman, including my beautiful friend, Robin here. Like you are a beautiful person inside and out, regardless of size, regardless of hair, regardless of anything. And I think we live in such a world where we're so disconnected and so many people are so disingenuine that it's hard to connect to that within ourselves. And then let alone feel like we have the potential to do that with other people. Yeah. And it really takes a hit on people, but like your alopecia, like, I mean, 
is it what's the actual name of yours so i started out with alopecia areta mm -hmm. um so i noticed so it happened really really fast because mm -hmm. i had gotten my hair done lighter um, my hair girl has done my hair for freaking like 10 years. So I was like, oh my God, like I was drying my hair and it was right here. Um, and I was like, I was in complete denial. I was like, it has to be the bleach. Like it probably just burned my hair off. Mm. But um, I was familiar with it because uh, my significant other at the time had struggled with it. Mm. Um, but he only had just one, like one or two spots. And then that was it. So I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to have. Like, no big deal. Like, it'll grow back. Of course, it was like, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I was able to hide it. It was fine. And then, um, so the first spot I found was in June. And then we fast forward a couple months and a couple months more. I think by October, I was finally able to get into um, a dermatologist. And by that point, yeah. I probably had like eight different spots all over my head. Um, fast forward to... June the next year we go to Hawaii with the kids we're supposed to have a photo shoot and the front part right here starts to go away mm -hmm. um, by this point when I go to the dermatologist I have to have like hair ties um to basically like show where all my spots are um so I was going to the dermatologist and getting steroid injections which generally they don't recommend for more than three months. Uh, this dermatologist allowed it for a, a year and a half almost. Oh my gosh. Without telling me that um, I didn't know that the steroid injections would create like basically like mini craters in your scalp. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, what is happening? Not to uh, mention the effect it has on your adrenal system when you have yeah. steroids getting pumped through you. Yeah. So at one not point, helpful for stress tolerance. No, not at all. <laughs> um, so at one point I had gotten 79 injections in one, oh my gosh. one appointment. Um, and so what the dermatologists and what the doctors and all those people tell you or don't tell you, the steroid injections do not stop the spreading of alopecia. All mm -hmm. it does is jumpstart the growth of your hair wow. in the spot that it's injected in. And that wasn't made clear to you? No. Um, so they even had given me oral steroids at one point to take for 10 days. Um, and that didn't help. No. So my alopecia then started to take over like my eyebrows and my eyelashes, my arm hair. Um, basically not, it's still like in between the, um, errata and the totalis. Okay. So like, so there's a girl on Instagram that I follow, Baldy Bean, her name's Chloe. Mm -hmm. She has the one where literally like she has nothing. Like she's completely 100% bald yeah. all over her body. Um, so and are I'm, you talking like, her eyebrows today? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I just came across her and I didn't know Robin followed her. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to send her this page, which I should have already known, but she's <laughs> adorable. And I think like her story is fantastic. And I yeah, think more people yeah. that share stories like this, it helps normalize it. And at least helps people feel like they're not going through it alone. Like it can't help yeah. the personalization of the feelings and stress, but there is strength in knowing like our human connection is like, there's other people that are going through this. I actually ordered some of her eyebrows, like, because hey, I hey, don't amazing. have a lot of natural eyebrow because of the opposite where Robin's hair falls out. I have an OCD, um, um, hair pulling disorder called trichotillomania. And so I actually pull my hair out. I have long hair. I just never wear it down because if I do, I'm pulling it out. So I have like different little bald patches all over the place. I have all this always new hair growth. So I'm like the opposite of Robin where I purposely, but I'm, it's not, it's not conscious. Like I, when I realize I'm doing it, I'm like, oh my gosh, or my family will be like, stop pulling out your hair. So the same thing is with my eyebrows. So I don't have a lot of natural eyebrows. So, and I don't know if those will go over some hair and some not hair, yeah. but I was like, I'm going to try it. I said yeah. Definitely. they're amazing they look so well, good they look really good I actually did have eyebrows so so alopecia is initially an autoimmune disorder mm -hmm. um so basically they have no idea 
There's no rhyme or reason to the why of how you got it when you will stop having it, if it'll come back, if it won't come back. There's literally no answer. So that's super frustrating because it almost is like they tell so many people that a day that they don't even really care um, when you come into their office, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like another thing. Like I was like, oh, like, do I even like, do I even grow my hair out to see if it'll even stay? Yeah. Um, I still struggle with some patches. There's like a bunch of patches like in the back of my hair, mm-hmm. but all of this has actually like stayed pretty well. And like, it's pretty thick it's now. coming in gray. Y- yes. So yeah. when your hair falls out with yeah. alopecia, when it grows back, it does come in white. And mm-hmm. then, and like, so all of this was actually all like silver Fox white. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, right. and then it's starting to get a lot darker. So after a while, the pigment in your hair color will start to come back. Okay. Um, But you still are having some patches in the back, you said? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, honestly, I think that once I'm kind of out and free of like my situation that I'm in, I think that my hair will possibly grow back. Um, And it's not just your relationship problem. Like, and, and we're not here to throw shade or drag people through the mud, which is not our point. And we're very respectful of, you know, her partner, the life, but you also kind of had a monster in law. And I, you know, I take the whole experience of the alopecia. Like, I think I had made a post previously a long time, or maybe about a year ago. And I said, you really have to, you really do have to like tackle the things that are really like causing a tornado inside of your, of your body and your mind, your heart, Mm -hmm. all of it, or else your body is going to find a way to tell you to sit the hell down and figure Mm -hmm. it out. And I really truly believe that's what my body did. Um, I was the master at just, you know, like compartmentalizing and being like, okay, like, let's keep pushing. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, and that came from, so when I first moved to Washington, I was nine years, no, I was eight years old. Um, My mom ended up marrying this guy from Georgia where we had just moved from and then moved us from Seattle after Mm -hmm. watching um, Sleepless in Seattle and was like, I would move there. Um, (laughs) um, And so then at that point, um, I had known who my stepdad was um, previously to him being my stepdad. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I came from um, summer vacation saw him at my house my mom explained the whole thing and I was like oh cool this is gonna be great like I already know who the person is um I was eight years old my mom was in the shower and one night he came into my room and um pulled my pants down and started to sexually abuse me um mm-hmm. that was the first time and then it didn't happen for many many years after that so I didn't really say anything I didn't really know what the hell was happening I was like what is this Mm -hmm. Um, so I just didn't say anything. Um, I got into middle school and then it started to happen every Monday when my mom went to work at 6am. So then when my mom went to work at 6am, he would come into my room before I started school and then something like he would just do stuff. And then, um, and then he would drop me off school. Like nothing happened. Yeah. Um, there was a Monday where my mom said that she was not going to be working on that Monday. So why I didn't tell my mom for so long, um, mind you, I am, I was 13. Pretty common for kids. Yeah. So actually I have like, (laughs) I was reading the chicken noodle soup for the soul books because those are super Mm -hmm. popular. They're so good. There's several stories where the child told their mom and the mom didn't believe them. And then it happened and it continued to happen. Um, That was my biggest fear. Also, he had previously beat my mom up. um, And so I was just, I was so scared. I was so scared for my mom's safety. My grandma at the time was living with us. Um, I had tried putting a lock on the door. Um, Basically, I was just threatened that, you know, if I locked it when he would come home from work or like if my mom was at work that I would be that I would be in trouble because he not only did he sexually abuse me he physically abused me um I had to do like these ridiculous regimens of like of homework and like all kinds of stuff anything that he could possibly like I could be in trouble for yeah 
I was assigned to do so that I could be in trouble for it. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically I endured everything except rape. So everything that (laughs) in between had happened. Um, And I actually ended up telling my school and then that kind of gave me the courage to tell my mom. And so then my mom actually brought him to the school where he was arrested in my parking lot at mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. But that Monday I had told my mom, it was like, I don't know, it was like Memorial Day or something where like she was off. Um, and I just cried in relief that she was going to be home on a Monday. Yeah. And she was like, what is happening? And I was just like, I didn't tell you. Um, and then, I, and so that was that, that morning she stayed up and she waited for him to come home and basically like confronted him. Um, but after that, I think what really messed me up was that like my mom was really in search of like answers for herself. Um, so she continued to see him when he was taken away. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really allowed to testify because she says that, you know, she just didn't want me to have to like relive the whole thing in front of other people and things like that. But I, for me, like, I love my mom, but I think it was a lot of like, once those things happen, and if I like say anything that it would kind of be out in the open and it would be public knowledge. And right. with Koreans, most, actually most Asian communities, yeah, it's like, Oh, no like we live this perfect life like we're all very very like this huge facade nobody's allowed to know what happens behind behind closed doors um and so I think that was like one of the biggest things that like one I'm sure she was very embarrassed that she couldn't like protect me um and so and then you know she In kind the of held the world that's what we call secondary abuse yeah yeah Churches so, do it, family members, people, like it's, it's unfortunate, even if people think they're doing the right thing, it still silences your voice. Yeah. And so she kind of continued to be in his life, um, which really damaged hers and my relationship, which was already on the rocks, just with so much of like this whole like Korean influence, like you need to be yeah. like, that's where a lot of like my, like self-esteem, self-worth, like all of those issues come Mm -hmm. because here you have this half white, half Korean daughter being raised by this tiny Korean lady, um, expecting this body type out of this person that it's, it's unattainable. Like I'm never going to be five. I'm never going to be five, two. I'm never going to be under a hundred pounds. No. I'm never going to be able to fit into size two jeans. Um, comments like, oh, you or would you be- look healthy if you did? Yeah. <laughs> My mom, um, you know, she just, that was just Korean culture. Like she yeah. limited what I ate. She limited if I had two bowls or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the Always the comments from the family were always like, you can never buy clothes in Korea when you go to Korea because you're too big. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I was only in second grade. Right. Um, I played volleyball all through like middle school and, you know, like volleyball, you got muscly legs. How tall are you? I am five, eight. Right. Yeah. So it was like, I'm never going to be this like tiny person. I'm yeah. never going to be that. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of that, like, I think my mom just didn't think that it was like damaging also like my mom's ideal child would have been, you know, this blonde haired, blue eyed, like little boy. So many cultures idolize little boys. Right. Um, Korean cultures. Oh my gosh. They will roll out the red carpet for a little boy and they will make sure that the little girl is rolling up that carpet after the little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a lot of like that, like growing up. And then, you know, my first boyfriend that I, I was like, hello, you show me attention. You said you show me all this love. Um, This person that I lost my virginity to, I had my first child with. Yeah. But I want to, I want to talk about that for a second. Just, just noting, like, 
A, when you have sexual abuse as a child, your self-esteem is going to take a hit. Your self-worth takes a hit. And, and I absolutely hate the fact that the burden of shame and guilt and disgust lies with those of us who have been abused and not from the abuser. Like it's just disgusting. Um, but it is what it is. It's what happens to us psychologically. Some people that leads to eating disorders because they're trying to do things. Um, I actually was told by several different people that they thought that I purposely stayed overweight because it would be a way to men to not want me. And I was like, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. Because if we all know when I date a man, he's fit and he's beautiful and he's sexy and that's never been a thing. So like, I, it didn't make sense to me, but, um, there are people that can overeat because they, they want to come and they want to appear differently. They can throw into eating disorders. Um, the likelihood that a child who was molested, and I really annoyed at myself because I forgot my statistics at work, but, um, it's high, it's high. The amount of females and males who are sexually abused as children are, it's like, I want to say it's like 70 to 80% more likely that they will be raped or sexually assaulted again in their life as teenagers or as older people. Um, some people become terrified Um, this can lead into like, they become terrified of like any relationship. Some people, this is where you can start to see, um, gender dysphoria come in. Like I resent my boobs and my, my lady parts because it brought bad attention or you see males who were molested, um, or raped as well. Like there's so many things that trigger to mental unwellness as we grow up when we experience sexual abuse as a child that goes, it's, it's the same for, um, different types of abuse, but you're going to, you're going to suffer obviously, but like with sexual abuse, it's, it's intense. What happens as somebody grows up, some people are like, I'm never having sex. I'm never being in a relationship. Others become promiscuous at an early age. Masturbation can start at an earlier age. Like it's, it's complicated what goes on. And then we have to live with that the rest of our lives and try to untangle the ropes. Yeah. And I think definitely, like, I think for me, it was one, like, I just always like, I mean, with like my mom and like that, like coming together, like I've, I mean, I've always struggled with like, it didn't matter how much I worked out or how much, like, mm-hmm. like I look back at pictures and I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like, why was I so worried about like, like I, yeah, I mean, I genuinely look in the mirror and I'm like, oh god like girl stop like you need to do more or like I mean I've always been that way yeah Um, and then then it definitely I felt like it led to like early like promiscuity like with I wasn't like super careful with like myself and my body so that like which then led me to be pregnant at 15 and have a child at 16 yeah much riskier Um, behaviors because also like the whole topic also like I was not one of those kids that got like the birds and the bees talk like I didn't like you know my mom completely avoided it like just was like hell no we're not talking about that um you know of course I had health class but like I didn't have like an adult to like educate me or talk to me about it so like also like along with like the promiscuity like I also had a lot of like even still to this day like I am very like hesitant and like shy like mm-hmm. in the bedroom like I'm like eh. like yeah. I don't think I can like but like I know like I want to do these things yeah but like right. I'm also like very scared like I mean obviously like in the bedroom you're really not going to be like rejected but like still yeah. that's still a fear right. of mine like I'm yeah. like oh what if I do this and like they're like get away from me mm-hmm. um and that also like with my previous partner like that was like a thing like I was like oh we've been together for seven years. Like, what do you mean, girl? Like, yeah, it's fine. But still I'm like, uh-uh, like, I don't want to initiate it. What if you tell me you don't want to do it today? Like, that's going to hurt my feelings. Now I'm going to, do you mean that you don't like me? Do you mean that you don't yeah. want to be with me? Right. Like it sends me into like this little spiral. And side note of that is that becomes really exhausting to partners. And, yeah. it, and, and you know, so there's always this dynamic, like it's understanding why are you at this point? But then when, and we'll get around to this because there's a point where you talked about where we have to sit with our own toxicity and our own bad traits and our own shit, but we'll get to that. But 
just want to interject, like there's that other side of this where that puts a lot of strain on a partner to go, I'm sick of like building you up and needing to reassure you. This should be coming from like Cat Williams is like, it's the same esteem of that motherfucking self. But like, you know, kind of jokes about it, but it's funny, but it's true. And like, and okay, we're going to come back to that because like the way that you're stepping into yourself now is going to be very different and is different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think like right now, like with all the things that are like happening and like how much I just crave, like just inner peace now, like I don't like, I mean, the level of anxiety and like everything that I've been going through, I'm like, this fucking feels awful. Yeah. (laughs) This is awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I can see like, you know, energy is everything. So like, I can see what it does to like my coworkers that are closest to me. Like when I'm around, like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. The part that you just said right there. So there's this uh, mental health kind of theory that, you know, we've all heard like cognitive behavioral therapy, for example. Well, there's ACT, which is acceptance and commitment therapy. And that part that you just said right there is exactly it. Basically, when you're working with somebody that's going to go, we're going to, we're going to use, we're going to kind of process this through um, act ACT, whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. That really is the point that you come to where, where you go, the maybe you're not there yet because you've come to this on your own, but like your, your coach or your counselor is going to say, okay, at what point do are you willing to sit and go, everything that I've been doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. And now I got to get really real with myself about the reality of this situation. I got to tear all these little blinders off and the avoidance and the denial that I'm living in. And I have to accept that this is it. This is where this person fucked up. And this is really where I, I have some growth and understanding to learn. And then you come out on the other side of that, a completely different person. For sure. Um, 100% agree with that. Also, I think I also took off the blinders when I, not when I distanced myself from this relationship, but when I distanced myself from his mother, so my previous partner's mother. So backtrack to, um, so just in general, when she wants to be great, she's great. She's a great grandmother, whatever. Like she was there for me during my pregnancy. I just definitely didn't see, I just have never encountered a person like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very easily manipulated into being like, oh, what do you need? Like, what do you like? What can I do for you? Like how, basically I was on performance all the time. Yeah. Um, so the year that I started to lose my hair, so that was June. June of 2020, COVID fucking hit the fan. Everybody, no one's in work. Like she ends up getting a divorce. She moves into my place in March. Not trying to like point fingers, um, but the level of just toxicity in my home. Yeah. Um, I couldn't walk past the door without feeling like I was walking on eggshells. I didn't know if I should say hi because I don't know what mood you're in. Um, There were a lot of things that like were pointed at me to say like, I'm a narcissist that I do these things that I, I know that I'm like secretly doing these things because I know it gets under people's buttons and I know how to manipulate my significant other to be against her. Um, Just all these things where I'm like, I, 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 I started to believe that I was doing this. Like I started to believe like I was just re- this really awful person, um, you know, and then it kind of distanced me away from my friends. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't want to be that person to them. So like what they didn't really know what I was going through. Cause they're like, they're like, I just didn't tell them. Um, it started to get to where like, I felt like I couldn't even go anywhere. Like I couldn't do things with my family without feeling like I had to invite her. Mind you, like I am, I was financially taking care of everything at that time for her. Um, So it would be like, like just for an example, like a phone bill would come up and then she'd be like, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to pay this. And I wouldn't say anything. And then later it would be a text of like, you're going to help me pay it. Right. Like it would just be like, first, like if this picture of this poor me, was painted, but it wasn't received the way she wanted it to. Then it was like this, like, well, I just don't have anything. And you're the one that has all the money. So like, why wouldn't you help me? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, we felt bad, like we were made to feel bad that we got stimulus checks. We got made, felt bad that we got tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like really, really hard because I mean, like I genuinely felt like before all of this, like I, you know, like I would do anything for anybody. Like, you know, if there are people who watch someone fall in the street and are like, haha, that's kind of funny. I would be the person that's helping this person up. Yeah. But she made me feel like I was the person that pushed this person down. Yeah. Um, and so then that's kind of, so alopecia, they say is the, the most common thing is that it's triggered by stress. Well, and and I, I don't know if I've ever told you about this book and then anybody else that's listening, because whether it's alopecia or you have a, a different type of autoimmune, even fibromyalgia, there's a yeah. book called The Mind Body Code and it's by Dr. Mario Martinez. And he actually talks about the fact about our inability to handle distress. Like stress is normal. We're all going to experience stress. But when we have trauma, crisis, grief, loss, um, and especially if life is stacking those things delightfully on top of each other, and we don't have good mindfulness skills, we don't have anxiety coping skills, we don't have depression skills, we don't know how to reframe our thoughts, we don't know how to do these things, we internalize it. And like what you're saying, one of these results autoimmune wise can be alopecia and he talks about it. So it's a fantastic book by Mario Martinez called the mind body code. And he talks about how, um, just that simple type of thing. It's not simple, however, of understanding like how to move through distress in healthy ways can actually eliminate autoimmune disease. So like what Robin is saying, when she's out of a specific environment, when she's not constantly kind of living in like survival mode mentally and emotionally, you're probably going to see some, some, maybe all of your hair will come back or maybe a lot of it will come back. And some of this, these autoimmune things inside of our bodies start to heal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in that time it would just, it would just took a spiral. Um, she didn't leave my home for a year. Um, um, just some of the actions that she would do is like, okay, like she knows she has nowhere to go. She's just yeah. going to go sleep in her car. It's 20 degrees outside. And then I get told, well, look what you made me do. Right. Um, so that was, you know, that was a good portion of a year of my life. And, and then you add um, just a moment of infidelity for a few months that also yeah kind of wraps into that year, um, where I had to deal with that. And it's no wonder my hair all fell out. Right. And there's Um, a lot and it's kind of in, are you 30? 33. Just turned 33. Yeah. And there's a lot of, for a lot of people somewhere between the ages of like 29 and, and like, you know, I'm sorry, 28 to like 32 are really common points for women where they're like, meltdown central like we're we're kind of going oh i'm not in my 20s anymore what do i want the rest of my life to look like i've got to unpack a lot of crap uh oh my gosh and it's really common to like have kind of like minty minty mini mental breakdowns and like points of like i i like to just call it like awakening because it's ugly and this is what i want to kind of move into is like a i want to note that her mom in law well whatever we'll just keep it that for simple um has a pretty severe personality disorder that are, and and some of those are really difficult to deal with, but it's not to dwell on that. And it's not to be disrespectful to her previous partner or his mother or anything else, but this is part of Robin's story. Um, and it's a reality. And then it kind of moves into like, because I remember one time on Robin's story, like you, you had posted, um, something about, it's not just everybody else. You have to sit with your own toxic traits. And what you don't have to sit here and spill out your, your like scarlet letters of your toxic traits. Cause I don't think any of us need to do that. You're more than welcome to it's, it's on you, but but even myself coming out of a four year long abusive relationship, like I still had to sit with myself in the middle of counseling and go, why, what was broken inside of me that I ignored all the red flags even allow this relationship to begin because I knew it from the beginning that it was trash but I, I stuck with it. So I had to figure out me 
even though I also had to counsel, do the counseling for the abuse for four years and the way that Mm -hmm. it all ended, I still had to sit with myself. That is not an easy truth for a lot of people. A lot of people want to be the victim, but I tell you, you, if you work with me, whether it's in community mental health or as a coach, if you're not ready to like, be really honest with yourself, sit in front of a mirror, stop pointing fingers. Like there is two truths can exist. And I tell people this all the time. You, you, you have survived a lot of things. Every single one of us has things happen to us that are out of our control. And we all have to sit with, how do we respond to it? Because if somebody punches me in the face, I don't have to punch them back. I might but I don't have to. So we have accountability no matter what. And there's a reason that we are tolerating these, these types of behaviors. And that requires answers from within, from nobody else. And you only have two options. You, we stay in a victim mentality. Well, I'm overweight because my parents made me eat all the food on my plate, or you go, okay, that's a reality when I was a kid. And now I'm a grown up. This isn't my story, P.S. people that are listening. This is just (laughs) I've heard like (laughs) not my own story, but like, or you go, okay, I'm an adult now. And it's, it's my responsibility to heal myself from the things that I survived previously and stop blaming parents and stop blaming, blaming, blaming. Yes. Those things are truths, but we can't heal if that's the place we stay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially after like this whole thing, like I've really like sat and been like, oh girl you are major codependent like you need to let go what's that Uh, feel like when you first come into that like acceptance of that truth though you know like I there was a lot like I mean especially like you know my previous partner mind you we're not breaking up like we didn't break up because of like something crazy that happened yeah it's 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 you know I still adore him I you know he's a great father he um he just went from mom's house to my house and then he became a dad. He didn't have life experience. He didn't get to go do anything. He's, he's never been on his own. So this is self-discovery. Yeah. And you know, he's going to get that time to sit in his own truths and he's going to discover himself, which he he needs. Everybody needs that. Um, and you know, bless him that he has gotten to a point at 28 years old and realized that that's what he needed rather than be 50 and just lose everything yeah you know I I I've said this throughout the entire time I said you know it takes a lot of courage for somebody to do that you know I had that type of courage we probably would have not been together sooner you know um I definitely like I I, people pleasing I just people please the hell out of everything because I didn't want to lose the people that were around me even if they were you know detrimental to me um a codependent as hell and then yeah. resent the shit out of somebody because they didn't do it because I didn't let them do it. Right. Um, I tried to control everything because chaos would is the one thing that you want to do. You just want to control everything. How effective has that been? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bring it up because that is such a common trauma <laughs> response. And we think if we can control everything that we can stop future problems from happening yeah. when all we're actually doing is creating more problems because people around you start to be resentful. Like they're seeing things like you, yeah. you resent yourself. It's, it's a, it's a normal response, but it's not a healthy coping mechanism. For sure. And, you know, in this time, like in the months that like, you know, we were breaking up and all this stuff, like. I really just dove deep. Like I, um, I just, you know, Jay Shetty, humble, the poet, yeah. like listen yeah. to like these podcasts. Lauren London is an amazing, like if you listen to all of her interviews, mm-hmm. just about everything that she went through and like all the healing that she had to go through just to get like, you know, cope with Nipsey Hussle's death, yeah. everything. Um, you know, Deepak Chopra, like there's so many people where they're like, And right now, like, I'm just at a point of like, you know, even for like my next relationship or even like the, my biggest thing was that I treated people who are around me like possessions. Yeah. I was like, no, you can't be friends with that person. Like you're friends with me. Like, no, you can't go out because you're not with me. Oh, because you're, you want to go out because you're, you just don't want to be around me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, like you have to let people be free to be who they want to be. And if they care and love you, they're going to care and love you regardless. Like mm-hmm. you have to let people be free and as free as you want to be too. Yeah. Um, and that's the I, hard part. Like 
this is a big theme that has come up this year so far in me working with people is that people are so desperate for truth, but they can't even sit with their own. Yeah. And we run from the truth. Like it is so much easier. It's so much easier now that he has said, this is what I need. Yeah. And you've created that space for him. Like it doesn't mean it didn't hurt you and you've, you had to do that, but also like that is love. Love is saying, I do love you. And I want you to find and be the best version of yourself. If for nothing else, whether we get back together or not, so that you can be the best father for our girls. Yeah. You know, and that was that, yeah. that that's kind of the art of non-attachment. I don't know if you've studied all that yet with the good old Buddha, yeah. but it's beautiful because you can live in the present. You respect people's right to be and choose and do what they want to do and if it doesn't work for you it doesn't have to be a fight it's just simply I'm happy that works for you it's not a choice I make for myself and it's that simple and that you know even in these months where I was like I'm just trying and I'm gonna do this like I was overplaying my part still to try and win somebody to love me and now I think about it like previously, like months ago, I think I even told you, I was like, oh, like he's going to be so perfect for someone else. And it's not going to be me. Very, and now very I'm like, common. And if that's the case, yeah. Yes. But I'm like, now I'm like, yeah. if that's the case, good for you. Good. If you fit yeah. all the pieces for somebody and they fit all of your pieces, good. Yeah. Because then you're just, you're putting that much more like good energy. It's coming out you know, and then yeah. our kids are going to be able to see that like you're being loved by somebody, like you're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better father and, yeah. and that's, a better man. That's it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what that's where think? I'm at. I'm like, you know, just, Oh yeah, girl. You've got like, it's, it's well, like so fun for me, like to just watch people. I mean, it's, it's not always <laughs> roses, obviously there's been shared tears and you know, the rest of it, but where, what, what would you say to people that are just kind of like going through it right now? What would you encourage them to do in their, in their Honestly, own journey of self-exploration? You really like, I mean, yeah, you can sit there and you can journal all day long. You want, you can do, you know, your gratitude, this, you gotta face, you gotta face it all. Like, I mean, last week I told you, like I had a, I had a hard week. Like I, there are a lot of hard conversations. Like, I don't want to have these conversations with my child's father of being like, you know what? Like we need to get the ball rolling. We need to separate. You need to go back to work. You need to do this. Like, yeah. Cause yeah. it hurts his feelings. Cause he's like, damn, like right. you're really serious. Yeah. Um, but you have to have those conversations. You can't hold space for other people to be like, you can't wait to see like what they're yeah. going to do. Like mm -hmm. it's not making you happy. You got to just go and run for it. Um, you know, I also had a conversation with my dad last week my dad for 20 years has not known that I ever was abused in any shape or form. Yeah. Um, my dad was an alcoholic for 30 years, um, basically in and out of my life, broken promises, this and that. So of course I'm, I'm chasing people that are broken promises all the time. Um, mm -hmm. and that's where the control comes in. Okay. Like you swear, like, cause if you don't do this, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, and that that was one of my biggest things and that's one of the things that we talked about like one in our coaching um um times where you were like maybe you should just like talk to your dad because like yeah. I mean maybe that'll open up a lot of heal like a space for healing for you mm -hmm. and of course it was hard to tell my dad but like my dad is in such a good place like yeah. like my dad has such a strong foundation now like of like who he is like mm -hmm. I tell you when I when I saw him for the first time in so many years, like I was so proud of him. Like mm -hmm. he is like a level, I think like level four, level five, like Reiki healer. Like he's, you know, doing like his herbalist test to like be an herbalist. He's doing all these things. Like, and he's literally like, so like just bonded to like, <clears throat> just like the chakras. Like he's so like, he like definitely believes like in all like the chakras. He's like, no, like I literally like my physical ailments. Like when I am like, I need to just not talk to this person anymore. Like cut this, do this. He's like, I physically feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like when I was able to talk to my dad, like not that like I was expecting my dad to like speak any healing to me, but just like, just letting that out. Like I, that's 20 years of pent up secrets mm -hmm. that I just let go of. Yeah, when we, when we stop holding our breath, it's freeing. 
and yeah. holding our breath um, and using our voice. Yeah. And, you know, then, you know, we got to talking about like my dad was like, you know, like for all those years that I was just a drunk, like I was just so embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed. So I just drank more. And then I was like, when I, you would come to see me, it's like, I was just so embarrassed that you would see how I would live, but like, I couldn't stop yeah. what I was doing. Um, and he was like, you know, maybe it was a good thing that like you kept it from me, like all these years, because I wouldn't have been able to do anything like productive for you at that time, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you just, honestly, you just have to believe that really everything does happen for a reason. And it all comes out like as it should. Um, yeah. Even the, you know, like even the bad, like not, and that's like one of the biggest things, like, you know, my mom was just very, she's very Christian. Um, and that's fine. You believe in what you want to believe. Yeah. Um, and, but she was just like, just like, oh, well, basically basing like, well, God has a plan and that's why, like, kind of like, that's why what happened, what happened, you know? And I was just like, and now I'm just like, you know, yeah, whatever. Every, just things happen Mm -hmm. as they should. Bad things happen to people. And if you're struggling with the bad things or the bad thoughts, like you have to want it. Like you have to want to help yourself. And if, you know, you can say like, you know, cause there's no, there's no right way to start. And there might be just a day where you just wake up and you're like, I got it. But and you got to trust that the person you, you pick to work with is going to help guide you on that path too. You know, sure. like we know what to ask. We know where to dig in. We know when to push, when to back off, like yeah. that, whether it's counseling or coaching, you know, not everybody likes coach, uh, counseling. I'm learning is it's like, oh, I get more out of talking to you than counseling. And it's like, there's a time and a place and it's really just where you're at. I have a foot in both fields and I'm like, do whatever works for you. But I want to piggyback off of what you said too. You you know, the whole point about um, control, we want control. The truth of the matter is the only thing we can control is ourselves. So turn your need for control inward, control and make that look like choice, choice to heal, choice to, to get real with yourself. Um, and it's not always easy, but you can't go once or twice or three times and then be like, this isn't working. Uh, You're just scratching the surface three sessions with somebody. So you also need to be committed to your healing. And that isn't just that one hour a week or one hour every other week with somebody that is every single day of your life, living purposely and intentionally, like Robin said, like through podcasts, there's books that you can read, um, learning, you know, that's one big thing out of therapy or coaching that you can get is you're going to get those coping skills. You may not like all of them, but be willing to try, try and then find what resonates. It's everyday work for sure. It's everyday Mm -hmm. lifelong work. And once you, you know, scratch the surface and, and you get to somewhat of like this enlightenment of like, damn, like I contributed a lot of it to my, like I, I did that. Um, yeah I mean like I would just say like you know you it's like say you walk into like this dirty house like that's completely trashed and you know you really got a deep clean for the first couple weeks yeah and then the rest of it's maintenance and then it's just Mm -hmm. it's all about like what you're feeding your mind and how like you're going to look at the day like I really do try to like you know the part of journaling like I really do try to wake up and I'm like very, be very intentional about my day, the music I'm going to listen to, like what I'm going to do, like, okay, it's a gloomy, cloudy day. Like, how am I going to not match this energy? Mm-hmm. Um, or let me turn it around. Like all this rain, like I'm going to let a lot of this go today and I'm going to let it wash down the drain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of like stuff. And it's also a lot of like, you have to have the boundaries to be like, yeah. Hey, like, I don't mean anything by this, but like, I just need my space today. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just, I'm a little shaky. Like, you know, some of my coworkers, they know, I mean, they know when like, I'm like in this anxiety ball and I'm like, Hey, like, I just need, I just need to get through this shift and I'm going to be real quiet. And, yeah. and they support that. And, you know, the people who love you, they're going to support that. They're going to support. Yeah. Um, and energy never lies. So no. honestly, you have and to just really how much of your intuition over the years have you ignored all of it right all of it we have this gift and we gaslight ourselves 
uh, oftentimes. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, I'm a huge overthinker and I am a huge spiraler. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten to the point now I'm like, hey, I'm about to spiral. So I just need to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Um, let me get this out of the way. And I'm, I promise I'm going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's just me. Um, yeah. But you really got to know how you function and you got to figure that out for sure. And that's a huge skill because a lot of people are overthinkers and a lot of anybody who has survived trauma and uh, abuse and crisis is going to be an overthinker. I don't have never met one yet. That's not. And that's where your CBT skills training really comes in is to realize how our thoughts affect our feelings and those affect our behaviors. And so if you know, you're an overthinker, like then that's where it's like, okay, there's levels. And sometimes you're going to be up in the, in that process of healing. And then it's down. And like, I really want people to know as we close up here, when you go through your healing process, if you go into it thinking that something is going to go away or be forever resolved, you're setting yourself up for failure because when you're an abuse victim, when you have crisis, when you have grief loss, smells can take you somewhere. They can be a trigger, the the taste of food, um, a memory, a song on the radio. And so the goal in healing is to get it out, to give air to what is happening, talk about it, learn from it, grow, do all this self-discovery. The ultimate goal after that is learning how to get through life, managing triggers when they come up, because they're always going to be there. We can't, we can't brainwash people. We don't, we don't cut out chunks of the brain anymore. Uh, It's not legal for a reason. So we can't unring the bells that have been rung in our lives. So I think it's important to note on your healing journey that it's about learning the skills as much as it is getting it out. Yeah. And for sure, like, what I, like, I tell people, I'm like, you know, like I told you when I was going through, like trying to find a counselor, I was like, I like, you really have to be like, you have to know what you want out of like your sessions or like your coach or your counselor. Like if it's not right for you, there's no harm in saying you're just not the person for me. You have to find the person that you mesh well with. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a counselor I was seeing for like two months and it was just a, it was a bitch session. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like, I was like, I could do this with my girlfriends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I need somebody like, I know like Brittany will, I mean, she asked me the hard questions. She's going to be like, you got homework like, Mm -hmm. and you got to do it. Yeah. Um, And for some people it's all different, but you got to find who matches you. Right. Um, Yeah. If you have cultural components, like have those conversations. Do you, do you know anything about, you know, I don't know anything about growing up half Korean, half white, but my beautiful friend Robin here, and I have another friend who's also half Korean, half white, and I get to learn about those experiences and the difference of the culture. So that's my job as a coach. That's a counselor's. And if you're not with the right person, it can cause more damage. For sure. Um, and you just got to be honest. You got to be honest with yourself. Um, yeah. That's one thing. Like I know some people in my life, they've been going to counseling and it's their reality and what they're telling their counselor doesn't match up. Right. Um, so, and counselors and coaches aren't magicians. We can't read your mind. Um, we can only meet you where you're at for sure. For the most part. So in clothing, closing, because I think coming back and talking with you, like in six months is going to be a really fun. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, me either. Because like, because like, we're just kind of touching on like, this is the front side of it, but like to come back and touch, like, where are you at in six months? How has it been, you know, when you're yeah. living on your own and thriving and out in the dating world? And do we have hair that's, you know, like fun and spun? You know, who? I mean, like, I want to, I definitely, I mean, hello, you're never going out of my life, period. But um, I would love, you know, to come back and revisit this and maybe even like a panel of some women to just kind of talk about some things at some point. I think oh, yeah. be a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, I always end this asking people like where, I know this is probably going to shift or maybe it doesn't, but what do you find anchors like your heart, mind, and soul these days? What, what keeps you grounded? Honestly, you know, people with kids, I'm sure they're going to always say they're kids and, you know, I mean, no doubt, obviously, but what anchors me is I'm not ever trying to lose myself the way that I did. Yeah. Um, And that makes me so emotional because Mm -hmm. I lost myself for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, 
And I don't ever want to be wrapped up in people that can't do the same for me. Like, you know, obviously it's not like a tit for tat situation, but oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lose everything. You know, like I said, you know, if somebody can make 180 turnaround and I can just have my memory zapped, (laughs) would I do it again? No, because I've come entirely way too far Mm -hmm. in my own self healing journey to ever do that again. Mm -hmm. And that that's the beauty of not having our memories erased is because we know, like we can't say we wouldn't repeat it again. And, And I think that's the beautiful strength that comes from working through our traumas truly is that, and it is emotional because you realize like, wow, I really lost myself, but the only way now is up. And I really feel like that empowerment stage of going, I'm never doing that again. Like I know my worth. And even if it's a struggle, I know it. And I know I'm worthy of love and human, you know, basic human rights and these things. And it's fun to, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And it's what I love about this work. And it's not just like, I'm not even just like talking like this relationship. I'm like, no, no, yeah. I'm not hiding like, I'm not hiding like what I went through because you're embarrassed about it. Right. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not telling somebody a secret for keeping a secret for 30 years because of whatever. Like, I've done so much Mm -hmm. that without this one little experience, in my life like I've just it's been a huge like fast forward in like my healing journey and I wouldn't ever take that back right well it's been a fun ride with you and I know we're gonna keep taking it together um you know as needed and thank you so much for coming on and sharing because you you have a great well maybe not great but it's a great story I mean we we get lifed and we learn from it and that's what I love about this part. And, you know, I really hope somebody listening is like, holy crap. And I'll put Robin's tags in there. You know, I mean, you can follow her. Yeah. She likes to post her quotes and lots of Jay Shetty stuff. I mean, who doesn't love Jay Shetty? Come on. We all love him. We love him. And he's not, (laughs) he's not hard to look at either. (laughs) He can talk to me all day long. Yeah. Right. His little accent (laughs) and everything. All right, beautiful. Well, we'll definitely have to come right. back in like six months and like reconvene and be like, these are the lessons I've learned in the last six months. I think it's going to be really fun to hear. Yes, I can't wait. Yes. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on today's special. Don't forget to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast forum. Share it with your friends and family and uh, please be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Um, I'm Coach Britt. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok under Coach Britt. Mm-hmm.